Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's an achievement not just for me alone. It's an achievement for all of us. And um, I, I hope that everybody who sees me sees them. If, if you are supporting me, you're supporting yourself. Because I always tell folks, yeah. just be you. You're the only one that exists. Stick with you. You are enough. Hello, and welcome to a very special Grammys edition of the Awardist Podcast from Entertainment Weekly. In this edition, we will take you inside all of the intrigue, insight, and drama of the 2022 Grammy ceremony. My name is Jason Lanfier. I'm an editor at EW who covers music. Today, we'll be sharing our picks for who will win some of the major awards of this year's ceremony, as well as who should win. Plus, we talked to John Baptiste, who has a whopping 11 nominations, the most of any artist this year. I'm joined today by Leah Greenblatt, uh, our critic at large and Sour Patch Girl. <laughs> She's joining me today to discuss her picks for who should win and who will win at this year's ceremony. And we're going to talk a lot about Olivia Rodrigo today because she has the potential to sweep the 2022 Grammys. Good possibility. Which I believe, yes. So, Leah, there's such a hodgepodge this year. And I, I, I want to touch on some of the highlights. Let's discuss the big four categories. First up, we've got record of the year. Um, and that is, a, you know, given to the artists uh, and, and the producers involved on the track. Um, what a crazy mix for record of the year. So, we have I Still Have Faith in You from ABBA. ABBA's first Grammy nomination ever, which is Grammy's going to Grammy, uh, mystifying to me. Eight for Phineas, zero for ABBA. Yeah. Freedom, John Baptiste, uh, one of his 11 nominations. I Get a Kick Out of You, Tony Bennett, Lady Gaga. Peaches, Justin Bieber featuring Daniel Cesar and Givian. Right on Time, uh, an EW favorite uh, from Brandy Carlisle. We named that track one of the, the 10 best of, of last year. Um, Kiss Me More, Doja Cat featuring Cesar, Happier Than Ever from Billie Eilish, and then Little Nas X is also up for Record of the Year for Montero, Call Me By Your Name. Olivia Rodrigo's up for Driver's License. And finally, finally, this is a, can you imagine? I feel like that the podcast is over now, just getting to these nominees. <laughs> Leave the door open, Silk Sonic rounding out record of the year because you probably forgot what category we were in because it took me so long to get through those nominees. Um, so, Leah, first of all, what do you think of this mix? It's crazy, of course. <laughs> um, and again, you know, that's that's the norm. But I wrote about the ABBA record, so I spent some time with it. It's a little Mannheim steamroller in some ways, but I also enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And the bones are there of a very classic sort of ABBA record. And the longer you spend with it, you kind of get that. I feel like I should also add that these winners are going to be a little bit of a 
time capsule because the voting happened between December 6th and January 5th. Which seems a long time away. Is many moons ago. It's sort of ridiculous when you think about it. So if you were thinking, for example, Taylor Hawkins' death might affect some of the nominations the Foo Fighters are up for, things like that, that won't be the case, right? Yep, yep. Also, you mentioned Glass Animals before. They've had a massive hit in the last few yeah. weeks, right? To, to, but, no, to be fair, that <laughs> song's been going time. since last yeah. summer. Exactly. Yeah, that song broke the record. This is Heat Wave we were talking about. Broke the record for the longest time it took for a song to reach number one, right? Yeah. Um, but that has happened too recently for them to even consider that when they're considering Best New Artist. Right. But I think, again, Glass Animals have been around since I think like 2014. So, <laughs> but, I, but I do think it's very hard for me to imagine Lil Nas X winning. I mean, he gave a lap dance to Satan, right? Like that whole thing. And, and I would like to see him more in the mix. I don't think he is. I still feel, and, and we know that, for example, that Tony Bennett is, is not well. You know, he's, his health isn't well and, and his family has announced that he's not, he's, he's hardly really out there performing at this point. So there may be some movement towards that, realizing this is most likely his last album. I personally very much enjoy Peaches and Bieber, but that's not a record of the year, right? The one thing that's weird to me is that driver's license does feel like a thousand years ago. And I think we just saw at the Oscars how much the timing does matter. And I know we just finished saying that they basically voted for these things three months ago, if not more. But, and I love Happier Than Ever, the Billy single. I think that is a, an incredibly engineered song. But I do think the Grammys just love Bruno Mars. And... I think he is a safe choice. I think he is a happy choice. So even though I think that is Olivia's to lose, absolutely, I would not discount Subsonic. Yeah, I totally agree. You're right when you say it's safe because it's a really damn near perfect retro, new retro soul song. It, it feels fresh, but it also feels classic, um, which again, feels very Grammys. Um, yes. So I, I, and you I, have I, to remember all those older voters that are still checking the boxes and absolutely something that reminds them of 1972, or yep. 1984. They are yep. not going to say no. And Lord knows we've all, in isolation, been turning to our old favorites and feeling very nostalgic. But I do, but I do think you're right that it's Olivia's to lose in basically the top four categories. Yeah. I, I, you're right to say that it does feel like eons away. I believe that song came out in January of 2021, I think, was when it started really building steam, which, I mean, that's more than a year ago. And so much has happened since. So many great songs and albums have come out since. But listeners as well, I think, would agree that that song was probably the most unescapable song of last year. Not to say it was the best, but and not even necessarily the best on the record, as you know, we 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 EW have debated that as well. But there's it, no debate. It's yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's yeah, say that again, Leah. <laughs> Look, the ballads are not what I love Olivia Rodrigo for. I can acknowledge that Driver's License is a perfectly constructed record and intro bridge, all that stuff. But to me, it's still, it's not the ballads for me, for Olivia. But yep. 
But, you know, driver's license is also is the only one on this list to have its own SNL sketch. That's, you know, that's exactly right. With and, Reggie Jean Page. Yeah. So. And it, it goes down. Yeah, I think we've all agreed that we prefer Olivia Rodrigo doing Elastica cosplay. Which if, you wanna, <laughs> if, we, if you wanna go even farther back, doing wire cosplay, because Elastica was doing wire yes. cosplay. So if you wanna go that far back, I think that I think that was that yes. I think those are the more we've agreed those are the more inventive songs when she kind of gives us the, the pop punk. But um as anodyne as it is, driver's license is you know, a, a perfectly lovely pop song that um, I, 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 I'm, I'm thinking that it will probably win record of the year um, because it, again, feels fresh, but also like classic songwriting. Like you said, lovely bridge, you know, lovely vocals, uh, classic breakup song. Is there anything that you anything else that you would not discount? I'm, I'm right there with you when it comes to uh, when it comes to driver's license and leave the door open. Those are definitely the two top uh, nominees in this category. I think they have the greatest chance. Of you know what I kind of want to win, mm. to be honest? The Doja Cat. I think Kiss Me More was a perfect song. Yep. And I, I think totally agree. Talking about what record represents, you know, which is the recording of it, literally. It's not about songwriting. And to me, I don't know. I just, that song made a lot of people feel better in a really. It absolutely did. I believe when you reviewed Planet Her, Planet Her, the Doja Cat record, um, I believe you said it was Summer in a Bottle. <laughs> and wow, how original. I absolutely mm. love that. Uh, I think that is a perfect, um, perfect encapsulation of this, of this record, of her record, Planet Her, but also specifically Kiss Me More, which Leah. Uh, we definitely agreed on this when we were evaluating this, the, the songs of the year, the EW's picks. We really fought hard for uh, for Kiss Me More. We ended up going with a different Doja Cat song, but um, we were still happy to have her in the mix. Again, we're in agreement here. I think that, that I would like to see that song win. I think it is you know, a, a really good, strong pop song, and it, does, it did bring a really sort of essential uplift. When we were kind of feeling like we were maybe coming out of the pen lifting our mask last summer and and this i think was definitely a soundtrack for a lot of people um when they were joining the land of the living when when nobody was kissing anybody yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> so we have album of the year let's run through the nominees we have we are john batiste again one of his 11 nominations love for sale tony bennett and lady gaga's collaboration uh justice uh justin bieber planet her which we just mentioned uh the doja cats uh album Happier Than Ever from Billie Eilish, Back of My Mind from Her, that's H period, E period, R period, uh, Montero, Lil Nas X, Sour, Olivia Rodrigo, Evermore, Taylor Swift, uh, which actually came out at the end of 2020. You will remember she kind of surprised us with that in December of 2020. Donda, Kanye West. So Leah, who do you think has this category? Album of the Year. I think it's Olivia's to lose, but then I also think of older Grammy voters putting on Sour and getting the first song and feeling angry and confused, even though it is probably my favorite song on the record. I think when they hear those guitars and they hear the feedback, they may be like, this is not my driver's license. This is not my beautiful house. You know, <laughs> this is not my beautiful wife, whatever. They may, they may object. And I wonder, having watched Billy and Phineas win an Oscar the other night and having seen Billy take song two years in a row, right? 
there is a world where she could squeak through again because the Grammys seem a little addicted to her, you know, and Oscars. And I, I feel this girl's going to EGOT before she can legally rent a car. Absolutely. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I would keep that in mind. I think you can absolutely obviously strike Kanye off the list because Kanye's not even allowed at the ceremony and pretty much nobody liked that record. I enjoyed the, the the Bieber record, but this is clearly not his year. In some ways, I'd actually really like to see Doja win this because I think it's the definition of sort of, it, it is kind of a no skips record. And, you know, but I think if anybody takes it, it's Olivia. And if anyone else does, it's possible that Taylor could surge back with this one. But I think if anything's going to hurt her, it's the vintage of the album, the fact that it is over a year old. Yes, and many people have sort of long moved, on. moved on. Yeah, it is quite interesting. Th- this thought of Tony Bennett maybe surprising us all and getting a win for Album of the Year. I wonder if Gaga will be ready for a close-up. I can't imagine. <laughs> if that were to happen, I think we can all agree that it would be really more of a lifetime achievement award for Tony Bennett. Uh, because that is an album of covers. There's not original material on it. So I do think if it were to somehow take the top, this, this album of the year, the top prize, it would, uh, I think it would be an upset. <laughs> Although, you know, everyone loves Tony Bennett and he's an icon. It would feel a little macabre too. It would be like, well, for those about to die, you know Absolutely. what I mean? It, it feels yeah. a little rude almost. It, it feels a little rude. It feels disingenuous and it feels, you know, again, with all due respect to both, you know, Lady Gaga and Tony Bennett, a little, a little out of touch with, uh, with, with 2021. A Grammy signature, a little out of touch. <laughs> I agree with you on Donda. I'm one of the few people who liked Donda, the Jason edit. I just want to clarify. I had to, <laughs> I had to, I had to eliminate about half of the bloat. And then I got it down to about 12, 12, 12 or so songs that I actually really quite liked. It's just really shame I couldn't have gone in and helped um, ye edit that. I think it would have been a, a pretty good album. But I agree with you. He's not invited to perform. He may show up. Uh, I think we we're all kind of hoping maybe he doesn't. <laughs> um, and if he does, we, we want, we'll want to put Trevor Noah and Taylor Swift in, very, in their protective bubbles um, to avoid any mishaps like the mishap we saw at the Oscars Sunday night. Um, but you're right. That record was very polarizing. Most critics, you know, lambasted it. Um, I just don't think it has a chance. I think people were really confused as to why I was even in the mix to begin with. Nolia, who do you want to take it? She may, she may sweep. She may sweep. I know. But you're really, you're um, really hoping for Planet Her. I have no hopes for it, but I would like to see it win. You'd like to see I it win. Think, yeah. Um, I think the Billy record is too uneven. I, I'd like to see Happier Than Ever, the song, win for production. I think we're in agreement here when it comes to who we think will win. I do think it is Billy's win or it's Olivia's win. Um, and, I, yeah. again, and again, we're in agreement with, I think, uh, the, what I, who am I like to see win, which is Doja Cat as well. I think that of all of these contenders, I think Planet Her is the most eclectic, genre-hopping, cohesive record of the mix. Um, and we're, that's what we got to think about here, right? We're judging the whole record and what these people have brought to the table. And I just think for a relatively new artist, Doja Cat, I think really brought a lot to the table um, with this record. We would be remiss not to know the Dr. Luke of it all. Um, Leah, do you think given uh, his sort of checkered past, 
that that will play any sort of role in discounting him from anything. Uh, any of his work with Doja Cat on this record, do you think that that will discount him? I think people stopped caring, whether that's right or wrong. I think you're right, too. And I think if he, if people really cared, he wouldn't be working. And he is. I agree. And that's the thing we have to remember, too. The Grammys are going to Grammy, as we always say but they do also reflect the industry. And if the industry isn't making the changes, then how can we expect the Grammys to make the changes? And you're right. People are still collaborating with him um, despite, you know, the allegations and um, again, his checkered past. Um, but yeah, I, this was a way for him to kind of sneak back into, into the ceremony and into people's minds. Um, but yeah, behind another artist who's become quite beloved. Song of the Year. One thing we have to note about this is it's also about the song writers. Uh, it's not just about, you know, this this big pop record. And some of these have a lot of writers. And some of these have a lot of writers. <laughs> I, think we, I think we've got one with like 11 writers. It takes a village. Let's run through the Song of the Year contenders. We got Bad Habits, which is uh, Ed Sheeran. Um, a Beautiful Noise, which is Brandi Carlisle's duet with Alicia Keys. Driver's License from Olivia Rodrigo. Fight for You, a her track, Happier Than Ever, Billie Eilish, of course, with her brother Phineas, Kiss Me More from Doja Cat, Leave the Door Open from Silk Sonic, Montero from Lil Nas X, Peaches, Justin Bieber, uh, Right on Time from Brandy Carlisle uh, is going to round out that list. Some great choices here, uh, but we are seeing, a, a, I think we are seeing a pattern. A lot of the same artists are in this category that are in, that are, that are in the record of the year category. Leah, who do you think's got this song, uh, the song of the year win? It's Olivia. I can't imagine anyone else unless it's uh, Silk Sonic. Yeah, I think I think we're right. Just same as same as record of the year here. Who would you like to see win song of the year? Hmm. I mean, I want to see Lil Nas's speech, so I would say Montero. But probably not to be a broken record, but probably Kiss Me More. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Right. Sorry. I just enjoy that song a lot. And I wouldn't be mad to see Silk Sonic win it because what they did was so precisely, perfectly calibrated for the moment. And, you know, I get it. I do. But I think, I think, yeah, that's all going to be in the same line. And I think Best New Artist is the same story. I think it was really refreshing to see someone like Aruj Aftab in the mix. Um, this is, this is an artist who most people probably aren't familiar with, um, who makes really quiet, but beautiful music. Um, but you know, for every Arouge Aftab you have, uh, in the best new artist category, you've got a, a Phineas, which is, I mean, that to me is, he has eight Grammys. He has eight Grammys. He's won major categories and is hardly a new artist. I mean, yeah, I get it. Glass Animals is 10 years 10 old. 10 years old. I mean. God bless. Japanese, Japanese records have three records been around under, at least yeah. six, seven years. Yeah. So I just, I, I would really love to understand better the definition of the, the Recording Academy's definition of new, because they have, this is, this is something that has baffled us for years. Where there are some good names in there for sure. Some deserving names. Um, you know, many of them just don't really feel that, that new. But that's sort of a Grammy, Grammy signature. I, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. It just seems like that one Olivia should just walk right into, right? I, I think I think I think she could very well sweep and, and win all the four top categories, but I think there's just no doubt really and anything I've read, any any prognosticators are saying that she has this in the bag. 
And I think she, I think of this mix, she, she does deserve it. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, I would love is, you know, I've been a fan since her first record, which was several years ago now, as we discussed before, but I would love to see someone like Japanese breakfast walk away with best new artists, but let's just be honest. She didn't make the splash. I think she made the splash. We're big fans of her here. We named, we named, um, uh, her latest record Jubilee, one of the best albums of, of 2021. Um, but I think, you know, no one has made the splash and, and on this list of best new artists contenders is like the, the, the Olivia Rodrigo, uh, made. So I think, I think that's, I think she's got that on lock more than anything. I'd love to talk about some categories that don't have Olivia Rodrigo <laughs> or Billie Eilish in them. I think that is a great and idea. I think, speaking of sort of category fraud, I'm a little confused by best rock album mm-hmm. category. We have ACDC's Power Up, Black Puma's Capital Cuts, live from Studio A, Chris Cornell's No One Sings Like You Anymore, Volume 1, and literally he doesn't. He's been deceased since 2017, and I loved Chris Cornell, but I mean, come on, guys. Yeah. Uh, Foo Fighters' Medicine at Midnight and Paul McCartney's McCartney 3. And Black Puma's, I'm just, I'm unclear on how much rock record. It, it echoes so much more sort of... Um, R&B and, and I, I don't know it seems like an odd inclusion in that category but ACDC has been here since the dawn of man more, yes. right and Chris Cornell I mean it's still one of the most beautiful voices in rock but this is covers and as I mentioned at the top of the show um, Foo Fighters they, there won't be votes because of the loss of Taylor Hawkins because the voting was closed. But I still think it's probably the Foos or Paul McCartney's to lose, right? Isn't yep. it always? Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's going to be between those two, I think. And of course, they're actually friends. And Paul has has drummed on a Foo Fighters record before. But the Foos are the ones who won it the most. I think they won four in this category. So I still would say it wasn't not theirs, right? Legend, legends only in this mix, you know, aside from Black Pumas, but it does feel a little, whew, it feels old to me. Um, and with all due respect yeah. to these folks, I'm just, there were some great rock, rock is not dead. We've got no. amazing rock bands like, you know, the War on Drugs, unfortunately, their record came out after the cutoff uh, for, for Grammy's um, nominations. But that was a record that we loved here at uh, Entertainment What about like Free. Fontaine's DC or Absolutely. Wet Leg or any of these records? I mean, I don't think, I don't know if those were on time for this. No, but, but maybe next year. I do want to make one little play for Best Rap Album. Oh, yeah. I know where you're going with this. <laughs> you do, I'm sure. We have, so Drake did take himself out of the running, um, which I actually very much respect. Because I think they disrespected him many times. Absolutely, absolutely. But we have J. Cole's The Off Season, Nas, who I believe won last year, right? Nas, King's Disease 2, Tyler, The Creators, Call Me If You Get Lost, and Kanye, Donda. Um, I never know how to say Donda as if I'm saying it in all caps, since that's what it is. Donda. 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 But I would, I would much rather watch the clips in the Kanye documentary of him interacting with Donda than listen to Donda. Um but for me, there I do think Nas will maybe take it, but it should be Tyler's a thousand percent. Call me if you get lost is a is a brilliant record, and it's all over the place. And I remember a couple of years ago when Tyler won this category, and he said basically it would be really great if you just stopped putting these records in quote unquote urban categories. And I I'm just mad that 
Call Me If You Get Lost is enough for album of the year. It's a great record. Again, a record that we here at EW chose is one of the best records of the year. Um, and when I say record, I mean album in this case. Um, Leah, you actually wrote about that record, and I think you summed it up perfectly when you said, if you if you just think it's rap, then you're not listening. And I think that is really spot on. This is a beautiful record. I don't personally love a lot of aggressive hip hop. I think that he has some occasional aggressive moments on this on this record, but the production is just absolutely beautiful. The samples are beautiful. There's woodwinds. There's there's just it's very lush. <laughs> there's woodwinds on a rap album, people. This is inspired and eclectic. And it, it I, and it rewards upon repeated listens too because it didn't it, it didn't it didn't hook me initially. It's rich, it yeah, absolutely. There are songs past the five minute mark. One I think is like eight minutes long, and it's one of the highlights. And it's playful. It's and playful. It's humor, and there's often there's some kind of brutal honesty, and I think rappers, you know, are have always come with an excellent, particularly in writing about fame. Yes. And speaking to fame. And this does it in a way that is very fresh to me. Absolutely. You know? it, and he's been famous since he was a teenager, but in, in different circles, and his name has been sort of concentric in different ways. And and this is just a very, like, it's very sharp in that way, too, but not in an alienating way where you're just listening to a millionaire complaining. Absolutely. I mean, braggadocio is a, a, a huge part of rap, of course, has been since the beginning. But there's a self-awareness with, with, with this record. He's in on the joke. Like you said, he's playful, and I really, really like that. He takes himself down a few notches and genuinely, genuinely moves you with this record and genuinely makes you laugh. I, I laughed a lot listening to this record. There were just these one-liners that I would just like have stuck in my head because, again, it's, he just really takes you on a journey. It's almost like watching a film. I would love to see him take it home. Um, they may want to honor Nas just because Nas is Nas. Um, so I, I think it's probably between those two, uh, as well, but yeah, we're rooting for Tyler here. Anything else we should touch on? I don't know where we can go after the, the Oscars, after the slap heard around the world at the Oscars on Sunday, this past Sunday night. Um, I can't imagine anyone topping that and let's hope no one tries to. Please don't. We're so <laughs> tired. Everyone's tired. Everyone's tired. Just give us, give us joy. Give us, you know, give us a little bit of gossip, but please don't make us. Don't make the whole show about one moment. But I think it's going to be a strange show, too, because everyone is still in the blast radius of the Oscars. We've never had the Grammys and the Oscars be a week apart. It's crazy to think that if Billie Eilish and Phineas win, they will have won an Oscar and a Grammy in the same week, which I don't think that has ever happened because we've never had, like you said, we've never had the Oscars and the Grammys as close together. So that would be an interesting feat. And again, Billie's what, 20 at this point? <laughs> she is child <laughs> yes and to walk away with a with a grammy and oscar in the same week at 20 years old is they almost also phineas and uh, phineas and billy at this point oh, almost seem like they're like a little embarrassed to be walking up there every time yeah i think yeah. because i mean we saw last year when billy basically tried to re-gift it to megan the stallion <laughs> so i i think you know, I think in some ways it's a little or like, remember when Julia Louis-Dreyfus was just winning the Emmy every year yes. for Weep? And yes. I think we do need to turn the page a little bit and see some fresh Spread the love. wins. Yeah. And and in some way, Olivia winning, sweeping, if Olivia Rodrigo were to sweep, would feel a little too echoey of Billy sweeping, right? You have like a teenage ingenue who comes kind of like ripping out with this great record, but... 
I don't know, it, the narrative might be too too sane. I agree. It could be it could be too predictable, and that may be working against Olivia Rodrigo. One thing we forgot to mention: Adele would have changed this entire conversation most likely, since we know the Grammys love Adele, but Adele's thirty again was past the cutoff point. Um, so we'll have to wait to see to see her. So next many year. good records this year already, and that is one good thing. Like I was thinking about that Mitski record, and I yes. was thinking. I could actually get a little excited about the 2023s, you know? Absolutely. Here's here's hoping that they get a little closer to getting it right next year. That's hilarious. Bless you. <laughs> Cautiously optimistic. There's always hope. Uh, well, Leah, thank you so much for joining uh, the Awardist podcast today to discuss whom you'd like to see win Sunday night at the Grammys and whom you think will win Sunday night at the Grammys. Um, always, always nice to chat music with you and geek out and uh, complain and, um, and, but just hope that things, you know, that the Grammys get their act together before we're long gone. I, ca I can't wait to see how wrong I was on, on Monday morning. I'm very <laughs> much looking forward to making no money off this one. And that's okay. Next up, after the break, EW writer Marcus Jones talks to John Baptiste, who has a staggering 11 Grammy nominations, the most of any musician this year. The singer, band leader, and musical director of The Late Show with Stephen Colbert was so busy in the run-up to the Grammys that he had to sign posters while chatting with us, which you'll be able to hear in the interview. We're big fans of ambiance here at EW. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today, we have musician John Batiste. John, how is it going? Oh my goodness! I'm feeling good. I'm feeling free. I'm feeling fine just being me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. It's what we need to hear. I'm excited that we started off on such a happy note because, of course, we're talking about Grammys today. And you, sir have 11 nominations this year, more than anyone else. Uh, are you ready for me to read them off real quick? Oh my goodness. Wow. That's incredible, right? <laughs> I know. Um, so you are nominated for Album of the Year for your album, We Are, also Best R&B Album, Record of the Year for Freedom, Best Music Video for Freedom, Best Traditional R&B Performance for I Need You, Best Improvised Jazz Solo for Bigger Than Us, Best Jazz Instrumental Album, Jazz Selections, Music From and Inspired by Soul. Best American Roots Performance for Cry. Best American Roots Song for Cry. Best Score Soundtrack for Visual Media, Soul, shared with Trent and Atticus. Uh, best Contemporary Classical Composition, Batiste, Movement, 11 Inches. How does it feel? Could you have ever anticipated this? You know, I... I um. I'm very, very happy to represent my family and all the uh, the real artists out there who are just putting their head down and working on the craft and and 
doing it with love and, and having fun while doing it. You know, I'm just representing everybody. It's it's a it's an achievement, not just for me alone. It's an achievement for all of us. And um, I, I hope that everybody who sees me sees them. If, if you are supporting me, you're supporting yourself. Because I always tell folks, yeah. just be you. You're the only one that exists in the world that will ever exist on your path. And that's all I did to get here. So, you know, just stick with stick with you. You are enough. Yeah, for sure. Is there a nomination that surprised you the most? You have such a breadth of genres here and even visual uh, nominations as well. Yeah, I, I was really, really pleased to get the classical nomination just being someone who represents a you know i went to juilliard and and i come mm-hmm. from a, a musical family and a musical background that is diverse but i don't typically see people from my background in the classical music space <laughs> um yeah. so i really appreciated that a piece that i composed and actually on the recording itself, one of my colleagues from Juilliard is playing with me. And to have that full circle moment, you know, um, just just uh, to be nominated in the classical is really amazing. And you're young, but you've been around the block. You've uh, released a lot of really cool projects. Did making We Are feel particularly special? What were you hitting on, trying out, trying to say with this album? I just am getting better, you know? I constantly work to get better. And there comes a time where things just synthesize. They come together. It starts working on all cylinders. And I think that for what happened with We Are, the times in the world aligned with my creative development. There was so much I wanted to mm-hmm. talk about that spoke to the times that we're living in and the fact that we are here now and we're the ones who can make the changes for generations to come. We have this opportunity. And that was special to mm-hmm. make an album about that and also have it aligned with the time that the world is facing all these things and asking all these questions. But I also just feel like you get better as you work. Every album that I make hopefully will be a development from the last one. So mm-hmm. even the next album that I will make after We Are will continue that that train of thought. I just feel like I'm just getting started, you know, just the the the, the endless possibilities and the way that I work on my craft every day. You know, I, I I'm 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 like Kobe in the off season. And he come back and he got another skill. And it's just like, man, dang, Kobe, just keep learning. <laughs> just keep getting better. Keep adjusting his game. I really, I, that's how I see it. Um, and also, a few of these nominations are for your work scoring the Pixar film Soul with Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. How did that connection happen? I was talking to the team at Pixar, the great Pete Doctor, who was incredible, in this process, he's director of soul and incredible visionary. And they were talking about the concept of the film. And he always says that it's a love letter to jazz, but it goes between these two worlds and the worlds are kind of, um, 
what we would consider to be the great beyond in the film, but it's where souls are born and where souls go after they pass away and where souls get their purpose in life. The, uh, the great beyond and uh, the great unknown yeah. as well. <laughs> uh, uh, this is a different world to New York City and, and jazz capital, one of the jazz capitals of the world in the village and the club scene and all these aspects of the main character, Joe Gardner, his life is around jazz music. So we're just discussing how mm -hmm. they always wanted to have two different worlds at play, coming together at moments and also contrasting each other. And we were introduced to each other and it was this incredible moment of synergy. We met at Trent's house mm -hmm. and it, it from there, the rest is history. You know, one of the great bands in the 20th century of all music, Nine Inch Nails, and now they've gone into becoming masters of film scoring. So it's just a real honor and a privilege yeah. To, to have that synergy with such greats, you know? Did We Are and the Soul soundtrack feed into each other at all? Like, how did one maybe impact the other? I was working on both at the same time. And I always like to work on different things at the same time because spiritually they feed into each other. Even if I'm not so focused on making connections musically, they feed into each other just because the energy that I'm getting from one thing will spark ideas that maybe I wouldn't have thought about for the other thing because if you're just working on one thing that's all you have in front of you but if you you you're working on we are and I'm 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 creating something for the Mardi Gras Indians or I'm creating something and I'm talking with Quincy Jones about something and he'll go into a story and he'll talk about like when I did this score back in the day I had this opportunity to to make jazz for a film score. And it was one of the first things after Duke Ellington to happen like that. And then I was like, oh, well, let me do something not a forward what he did. I'm going to take what he did and I'm going to take it to the next level with soul. Just, it, it'll come from unexpected yes. places like that, you know? Did you get feedback from Quincy on soul? Did uh, Quincy talk to you at all about uh, the score and winning the Oscar? He actually called me and, and, and um, he said some really nice things and, um, then he wrote me a, a wonderful letter and, mm. and, and, and sent some incredible compliments just saying how much, you know, what what I'm doing means to him because he did stuff and was paving the way and opened the doors. And now I'm just like kicking the doors down. <laughs> and that's what his words, you know, it's kind of just you, you're taking what we did to the next level. You're taking it to the next phase. And that's what it's supposed to be. You know, I'm supposed to do something mm -hmm. now that the person who comes after me, they'll take that and extend it. And and I think that's the cycle. That's the way that life and artist artistry should flow. It's not about me. It's about the lineage yeah. and about all of us together. You come from a musical family and we've talked about these greats that you've gotten to work with, yes. uh, what advice would you give someone on sort of how to open yourself up to receiving uh, wisdom from people and sort of finding your moments with uh, these greats like Quincy uh, or some of the jazz greats that you've worked with? Just be humble and put yourself out there. A lot of times you think maybe somebody won't want to hear from you or maybe they won't really have time for you 
and maybe some won't, but a lot of times they will. And if they do, mm-hmm. even if it's an exchange that's not what you imagined it would be, it's important because you learn from all of these experiences. Just being around people, we're, we're energy, we're, we're matter, we're made of energy and being around somebody else and feeling their energy and their frequency, like even just on this call, humans exchange energy. You know something about a person that you can never think about uh, or surmise what that is until you're with them. You you don't know. Mm-hmm. You can't judge somebody based on a headline or even based on a record that they made as much as you can from hearing the record and then sitting with them and talking about it or uh, uh, even asking a question yeah. and having them blow you off. Just <laughs> something about that. So put yourself yeah. out there, but also just be humble and uh, understand that you you just trying to learn and get better and everybody is a human. We're all equal. Nobody is is better than the next person. We're all just trying to do the best mm-hmm. that we can and be humble about that while seeking knowledge. You know, it's it's uh, you don't have to puff up and, and you don't have to be afraid. Yeah. Getting a little bit back to sort of the relationship between film and music, uh, I want to focus on the song Freedom. What was the process of writing and recording Freedom and then shooting the video? And... Uh, do you like when do you think about uh visuals in the process of making an album? I'm a visual creative. I always have images, characters, just worlds that inspire me even if it's not clear what they are. The inspiration comes from seeing a picture. I'm always seeing a picture. Um so I saw mm-hmm. Freedom as this song that it it felt like a, a a social revolution and a sexual revolution song in one. Like if you imagine what kind of music maybe um, in the seventies you would hear maybe uh, activists or civil rights leaders listening to to rev themselves up mm-hmm. before going out into the field or, or, or to protest in the world, you know, that kind of thing where you, you get your mind to a place where you you connect to who you are and you you, you celebrate who you are. And yeah, like a child, you just dance and, and, and move your body freely without inhibition. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to, to create that sort of... Um, that kind of feeling that anybody, when they hear it, no matter what they 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 listen to, what age or whatever, you can just connect to that feeling, and and ultimately connect to yourself. You know, connect to that pure part of yourself, um, that childlike mm-hmm. part of yourself, and that's a hard thing to do in a song because you don't want to make a simple song, but actually the song has to be simple enough to where everybody can get it. So it's what's behind yeah. the notes. It's what's behind the, the lyrics. It's like how it's sung, how it's played, how you balance it. It took months and months and months and months after writing the song to produce the song. Um, mm-hmm. and, and producing the song and just adding, you know, I would add like one note on the clavinet 
in one section. And that'll be, oh, that's it. Just like that one note. There's the only time to put clavinet play is one note. And that was the perfect touch to, to bring it over the edge. Or, you know, I would do like um, uh, add, a, add a different kind of bass drum and, and maybe take that bass drum out and maybe add some Latin percussion and then minimize it. And then it would create this hybrid of like a bass drum feel with this Latin percussion feel with like this kind of funk snare sort of thing. It just was experimentation and moving pieces around and listening back and changing sections and going back and rearranging. So really just trying to capture that feeling that I initially had, the visuals in my mind and that feeling in my mind, but then Mm -hmm. I had to experiment in order to accurately depict it. And then once the song was done, the video, that idea, just from listening over and over to the final version of the song with Alan Ferguson and Jamel McWilliams, we just came up mm-hmm. with this incredible vision. Was there an element, too, of you and Alan, the director, uh, being like, I need you went so well, how can we top ourselves? Because uh, that's another music video that really resonated with people. Well, you know, my my executive producer and I on the album knew that, well, we both know I'm a very visual person, but also we knew that to translate mm-hmm. this music, we would have to have someone who's a master at capturing the, the, the visual essence of music. And Alan was the person mm-hmm. who we both thought as our first choice would really help capture that. And then by coincidence and really not by coincidence, just by God, just the magic being around us, Jamel, who is incredibly important in this process, creative directing the videos was also close with Alan Ferguson. So everything led to Alan Ferguson Mm -hmm. and we gave him a call and it was really special how he responded to it because he was saying stuff that we had been saying all along just as if he was a part of our conversations from the beginning so we just it was a natural kind of yeah it was meant to happen um i never wanted to have someone separate do the visuals for those songs i wanted it to be the same person and then all roads led to alan ferguson that's awesome and then thinking about the Grammys again, I've seen you mention before that uh, part of what makes this year special is that they increased transparency. Can you share a little bit of like what they did from your perspective? Because I think outside looking in, if you're not a musician, the Grammys are still like hard to <laughs> understand the process. Well, I think it's it's changing in a way where they're trying to have that conversation with the public. And I think just by the essence of mm-hmm. the, the just the fact that that's something that is happening and it's a consideration is already a step forward because there were many claims and lots of public outcry. And even, you know, there was there was public knowledge of disputes within the ranks of the Grammys of people saying that it was mm-hmm. fixed this way or that way, which I don't know how valid that is, but just the idea that now it's a priority to look at the art 
and mm-hmm. to have people vote. For instance, I, I um, as a member, I've, I've seen the change firsthand to where you can't vote for every category now anymore. You can't vote for many different categories. You're limited mm-hmm. to only being able to vote for three categories outside of the main category. So you can't now just go and vote for people a barter for votes so that you can get all your projects nominated and you can get your friends' projects nominated or whatever people were claiming were happening. You know, you can't just do that no more. So yeah. now you gotta pick what you really know. <laughs> you gotta choose your votes wisely. So that's just one example of many that I felt like was incredible to be picked now in a year where that's the case and it be in so many different genres because everybody who decided to vote picked something that they know specifically. They didn't just vote on a variety mm-hmm. of different categories because they could. Um, some genres yeah. have more categories than you're allowed to vote for. So like if you're a person who's deeply rooted in R&B, for instance, you can't vote for all of the categories, mm-hmm. even within your genre. So for me to get nominated across yeah. seven different genres by people who are just listening to the music and deciding, okay, this is um, of, of great recognition. This should be recognized. Yeah, I, I felt like that was special. And then another part of your career is that you are the band leader on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Uh, how has that experience helped you as a musician? I'm a writer, so I imagine like if I had to answer a prompt every day, I would become a better writer. I kind of imagine it's the same thing of every day is different and you're, every day is a new challenge as a musician. Is that sort of the case? Every day is, is, is really important to keep the energy fresh and to be really challenging yourself to be a better musician and band leader and composer. And that's what I've used it as an opportunity to do. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's an incredible gift to have a consistent band that you work with consistently and you can share ideas with each other. You know, I have a a very diverse contingent of musicians, musicians from different parts of the world, from Detroit, from Brazil. You know, it's the, the, the range of what we do. One of our musicians also went to MIT when he was 16, Louis Fouché. Uh, you know, so he, he there, there's different ways we incorporate tech into what we do to communicate. Um, it's just the, the range of stuff that we're doing is um is is all about evolution you know we'll go through six months where we're doing things one way and then we'll reinvent that and then we'll do this new way for six months and then we'll learn something from that that'll lead to the next way that we do things you know nega santos our percussionist Mm -hmm. she'll always introduce these rhythms from growing up in brazil and um one example is one day she was she was playing a rhythm that sounded like something that we played when I grew up in New Orleans. And we put the rhythms together and we'll mm-hmm. do things that I have never really heard musically being combined or being done. In particular, when I say I haven't heard, I haven't heard people play the Abaqua rhythm with a bambula rhythm on television. <laughs> like 
I haven't yeah. heard that played, let alone I haven't heard it played where people blend those rhythms together to the theme of Beethoven and his seventh symphony. Mm-hmm. You know, so or we'll play songs yeah. with artists who are on the show coming into the show, you know, we've played with everybody you can think of. And it's always cool to see how when they come into the show, they they're they're seeing what we are doing and how unique it can be applied to their music. You know, one time mm-hmm. Ed Sheeran came in. This is years ago. This is one of my my first times really uh, getting to hang with him. And, and, and um, he came to the show and, and, and I realized he's like a musician's musician. He's a great, great guy, friend of mine, obviously one of the you know most popular musicians in the world. You have ideas. Some people want their record mm-hmm. to be just like the album. But he came, he's like, man, I want to do that thing that y'all do. I seen y'all play with the tuba and the tambourine because we have this thing where we move around the audience sometimes in the theater and we'll go literally from the bandstand to the top balcony and the person that's seated at the highest seat in the back, sometimes we would go up, we would go and see that person and play directly to them. So he's like, man, let's let's do mm-hmm. let's do the song, but play it with your mobile band instrumentation, with the tube and do that thing. So that's one example of many where we've reinvented the music of other folks and put it into our own stay human band genre of music yeah that's so cool that gets into the next thing i wanted to ask which is uh performance is a major part of what you do uh are you allowed to say can you say if you're performing at the grammys and sort of what goes into one of your performances well i don't know if i can say if i am or if i'm not but if you watch you might see me. I would there. hope so. I mean, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm probably uh, most likely to do something, but uh, you know, man, look. <laughs> when I perform, I try to bring uh, energy, and not just like a a high energy, but a, a, a soul energy, a spiritual energy, a frequency that if no matter where you are, if you're hearing it on the radio, if you're watching it on TV, if you're on your computer, if you're on your iPhone sitting on the toilet seat, whatever you're doing, <laughs> you, 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 you're going to feel that, that, that thing. And I feel like in the last year, mm-hmm. last year and a half, I've really gotten better and better as a performer. That's one of the things that, you know, folks may not know who may, you know, you might know me from Soul or you might know me from the uh, the, the the Late Show or, you you know, where, you might know me from my album. Um, but since I was a kid, I've been performing and live performance is probably the thing yeah. that I know how to do most comfortably and have developed the most. So as much as yeah. people have seen doing the live performance it, it's just even a, another added level um so so i don't i don't take it lightly i really i look at live performance as a spiritual practice it's not just a performance it's a spiritual practice mm-hmm. and the exchange of energies 
that is very, very special. So I, it takes a lot out of me to perform. And and I don't perform as much now because I'm so busy yeah. with stuff. Um, you know, I, we only could do maybe 20 shows last year. Um, we didn't even tour. We mm-hmm. are. We didn't even really tour. We just played festivals and we did Austin City Limits, things like that. Um, but... I look forward to doing it more because I, I really do have a lot to offer when it comes to live performance. Totally. Yeah. Finally, we have to always ask, uh, what's next for you? I know you have the Grammys coming up. Uh, I also saw that you're a comic book fan and I see Batman's behind you. Uh, and you've, of course, were so successful with Soul. Would you ever want to get involved with music for a superhero movie? Yes, I love that. I love, 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 love that. Superhero movie, composing would be so fun. I think I would do it anytime that uh, I, I, I have a moment. I may even pursue that. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm really mm-hmm. happy with what I'm doing now. And that would just be an added blessing to, to uh, contribute to one of those stories. You know, I grew up not only as a huge fan of, of um, comic books and, and the Marvel and, and DC universes, I, I, um, I used to draw comic books myself. Mm-hmm. And, and um, that was one of the things that between that and video games, the music really influenced me. Uh, as a kid, I would be absorbing mm-hmm. all of those stories and all of that music and those characters and I think that's probably why I have such a visual musical mind right now from those early years. And um, mm-hmm. it's like modern mythology, you know? Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Like I said, you have Grammys coming up. Any? Are you already working on a new album? Is it kind of a chill period? Any other movies coming up? I have some music coming up that's really, really, really special. It's a symphony that I'm premiering at Carnegie Hall on May 7th. So my first uh, symphony and before that, two weeks before that, I'll be premiering an original work for another symphony orchestra. That will be the first black composer and all black symphony orchestra performance ever at Carnegie Hall in 103 years history. The first time. So between those two symphonic performances coming in um, late spring, early summer, and then I got some some music coming after that. Uh, I can't say too much about that but it'd be nice and i got some um some film projects that are uh, in the works so if you just follow me you'll get the juice that is coming it's gonna be a nice squeeze and you're gonna get the good juice energy <laughs> exactly oh my god i gotta get uh tickets to new york asap that sounds amazing thank you so much for talking to us john thank you so much Marcus, we in the vibe. I'm so glad to be here. Much love to everybody out there. I love you even if I don't know you. And that's it for this Oscars and Grammy season of The Awardist. If you like what you heard, subscribe, rate the podcast, and leave us an award-winning review on Apple Podcasts. To keep the conversation with us going, follow Entertainment Weekly on all socials, at EW on Twitter, and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag us at Jason D. Lanfier and at Leah Batts. We'll see you in April when we start awards coverage for the Emmys. This episode of the Awardist podcast was hosted by Jason Lanfier and Leah Greenblatt, produced by Chanel Johnson and Sammy Junio, edited by Sammy Junio. 
Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening.